I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health, the future of health is voice. Well, hello, and welcome to episode five of Voice First Health. It's a pleasure to bring this week's episode to you. Today, I've got another fantastic guest on the podcast, and this is Lori Orlov. For those of you that were at the Voice of Healthcare Summit uh, a couple weeks ago now, uh, you will have heard her speak. She has quite the uh, quite the resume behind her, and uh, she is a tech industry veteran, writer, speaker, and elder care advocate, and she is the founder of the Aging in Place Technology Watch. And she looks at the market trends, she does research, she provides analysis, she provides guidance about technologies and services that are essentially enabling the boomers and seniors to remain in their homes longer, which is fantastic. There's this real trend uh, to help people to live in their homes for as long as possible, age in place, of course, and uh, and she is one of the uh, uh, leaders and uh, thought leaders and influencers in this space. She has been quoted in uh, publications such as the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today, Money Watch, U.S. News, World Report, and so on. It goes on and on and on. Her site, Aging in Place Tech, was actually selected as one of CDW's top 50 health IT blogs in 2016. And uh, the following year, she was named as one of the top 50 influencers in aging by Next Avenue. So uh, she is a leader. She is an expert in this area. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome Lori Orlov onto the podcast. Hi, Lori. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So I think we should start off just by letting the listeners know a little bit about who you are and your background. And so maybe I can uh, get you to just do that. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So um, I am an industry analyst, uh, which means I describe markets, um, not from a financial standpoint, but from a product and service standpoint. And the markets I describe are technology-related markets. The one for the past 10 years, I've been... um, an analyst about the topic of technology for older adults. Um, I launched this in 2000, um, end of 2008, as a business in which I provide um, strategy advice. I do white papers. I do do uh, presentations or speeches, webinars, and I write long research reports. Uh, during 2018, at the beginning of the year, I um, completed a research report called The Future of Voice-First Technology and Older Adults. Um, I have written a series of reports prior to that, a market overview about technology and home care. Um, And uh, prior to that, of course, I'd written market research reports. I used to be an analyst at Forrester Research in Cambridge, Mass. And prior to that, I spent many years in the IT field where I was a chief information officer in several companies. Okay, so you've got a lot of experience with, obviously, with being an analyst in technology, and that's great. What what got you interested particularly in the older population and the idea of aging in place? Um, like many people who are uh, migrate into this space, um, I had um, aging family members. I had searched for nursing homes and assisted living. Um, I moved to Florida in 2006 
became a volunteer ombudsman for nursing homes and assisted living facilities and enrolled in an online program at the University of Florida to get certified in geriatric care management. In that program, I actually did a research project that was um, looking at all of the writing about technology for older adults, and I found there had been very little writing. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and the, that the space was not covered in a methodical, structured way as an analyst might cover it or track it. And um, it's one of those tree falls in the forest problems. Uh, companies can invent technology, but if they're not structured into any kind of groups or definitions as to what they are, it's almost like they haven't invented them at all. Ah. And uh, that is what I saw in this particular space. And then I saw a presentation by Joe Coughlin at the White House Conference on Aging from 2005 in which he said the technology for older adults market was a series of cottage industries and what was needed was a cathedral vision. <laughs> that wow. is, how can all of these products fit into a structure, uh, this is the way I interpret it, um, that is more cathedral-like and less cottage-like. And I said, well, I just came out of Forrester Research. I'm in the vision business. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yeah. what I know how to do. Perfect. So I published my first market overview on this topic in uh, 2009, uh, in which I categorized the products into groups, and I republished that every year. Um, so that's how I got into the technology for older adults space. I ended up not being a practicing geriatric care manager at all, um, but I did learn a lot from that process about the geriatric care management field, and I also learned a lot about um, what's going on in the older adult space, and of course now I follow it pretty closely, great. very closely. Oh, that's great. So lots of experience there. Fantastic. Yep. I also noticed in your LinkedIn profile, just out of curiosity, you've got a degree in music. Yes. <laughs> does that Crazy, come in? Huh? To, does that come in in terms of the creativity or anything with what you're doing? Well, my very first uh, programming job actually is related to that. Um, my, the, um, I was working in a, well, I was looking for a job in Boston, and the head of IT for a, an electronics company um, had just read an article in the New Yorker about the relationship between music and programming. And so when I applied for that job with my music degree, which I had just gotten a few years previous, he said, well, you must be somebody who needs to work here <laughs> because we don't have any other musicians right now in the IT department. And so they uh, actually trained me uh, to become a programmer on the job. Wow. And I then had a 24-year career in IT as a result of that experience. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that's really and then neat. I was also an amateur pianist. And I played chamber music and accompanied people throughout the Boston area. So I had a pretty uh, robust musical and technology life. And I had quite a career in the technology field eventually. Like I said, I did end up uh, being a CIO for several companies um, before I um, was recruited, actually, into Forrester Research as an analyst uh, at the beginning of the e-commerce era. Mm -hmm. uh, and our phrase at the time was, the Internet changes everything. <laughs> there you go. No joke. No joke, for sure. For <laughs> Turned sure. out to be the case. For sure. So the internet did change everything, and I stayed there for nine years. And I was a head of research. I was a research director, and I was an analyst. And it was a very interesting place to work. That's great. That's great. And so uh, the internet changes everything. How do you feel about the statement "voice first technology changes everything"? Um, I actually think that's even more compelling than the internet changes everything because, and I hope it works out better. <laughs> uh -huh. Because the internet changed, changes everything, actually created um, 
what we see today, which is spam and and a lot of uh, garbage. Uh, the Internet yeah. is probably 99.99999% garbage these days, and uh, you have to be very careful to weed yourself out away from that and into what is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, what what has become a problem, especially for older adults over recent years, is the devices to access the Internet have deteriorated in terms of usability. Uh, we used to have uh, keys and buttons on things that you could press, and now what we have is glass. Mm. And the problem with glass is uh, glass is extremely sensitive. So glass on smartphones, glass on tablets, um, Sometimes the icons on tablets, I've noticed the, the back arrow on an iPad, for example, the, the, the icons that you're presented with are small and precise. And if you had any form of tremor in your hand um, or any visual issues, sometimes finding where the, to tap the instruction or pinch or zoom or swipe or do all the things that we have to do on glass um, can be um, alienating. Oh, interesting. And uh, can cause people to sort of lose interest, especially... When you think about the way, if you look at a smartphone, you know, it's always getting a new update. It's always um, changing the user interface. We really didn't like square icons. Now we're going to show you slightly curved ones mm-hmm. um, and things of that nature. So uh, if, if fast forward to the voice world. This yes. is really a breakthrough for older adults um, because they can go back to doing something that they actually all know how to do, which is talk. Right. And um, without, and you can talk without instructions. Once you, um, assuming you meet the basic requirements of having Wi-Fi in the home, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you're connected to the Wi-Fi with a device, and the device is pretty smart. You plug it in, and it'll look around for the Wi-Fi. Right. But these devices are smart, and the and the small ones are cheap. So uh, now with a cheap, smart device um, that can figure out. Uh, where the connections are, um, you can speak to your technology, and you can ask it questions, and you can get it to do things. And um, to me, this is uh, a leap forward in the interface, user interface uh, for older adults. And I think you'd see if you read some of the material that's available on the Internet, especially for people with disabilities, uh, people who might not have access to using their hands, mm-hmm. um, People of, with low vision or uh, blind, uh, this is remarkable. And I would say it's, it's such a leap. It's almost like a next-generation uh, user experience. And we, we needed one because the, the last set of generations were degenerating. Right. And uh, uh, so, that, so I think it's opened up a whole new world. And you can certainly see that when you see a video of people with disabilities Speaking to technology, if you read the front porch report uh, about uh, Carlsbad by the Sea and the pilot that they did with uh, voice technologies, um, or if you read the report I wrote, which is the future of voice-first technology in older adults, there's a, a, a story at the end of it that was told to me about a woman who, in fact, had a stroke, is fully wheelchair-bound. She's in a nursing home, and her son set her up with pretty much everything she needed to manage the lights, the temperature to flip on a light outside the door saying she needed help, to play audio books, to um, listen to music and play games. And this is all from a woman who is paralyzed wow. uh, in, a whe- in a wheelchair. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, it, it's a really interesting perspective what you said, that you feel that the, the, uh, the technology over time, 
uh, with the, you know, from, like you said, from the advancement to keyboards and screens, and so it actually deteriorated the experience. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way because I, I thought of it as in terms of, you know, removing barriers in terms of the interface. So you had to use your fingers before to type and so on, and then now it was just gestures. But I, but I can see what you, what you mean absolutely that that doesn't work for everybody. Well, it's not only just gestures. It's gestures plus keyboard. Right. If you actually want to say anything to somebody, whether it's an email or a text, you end up having to uh, a keyboard pops up, and you have to type on that keyboard. Now, what kind of experience that is, and how precise your typing is, and how good autocorrect is, um, and all the other kinds of experiences that are related to mistyping, miscommunication, and misunderstanding with keyboards, you get with smartphones and tablets. Right. Um, now. You can also now speak to them, so that's progress. Right. So the voice technology isn't just going to be in the so-called smart assistants like Alexa and Google Assistant and so on, but um, or, or or they will be, but they're they're also in the mo- in the mobile phones and in the computers and things, so people can interface with those uh, technologies. Yes, and in the car and, and the in, car. in appliances. <laughs> so pretty much, we're going to be able to talk to everything. Right, absolutely. So everything what, that actually has to do anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and well, and I, I totally agree with you. It's gonna the, we're gonna enter this era of ambient computing. There's gonna be microphones all around us, and um, mm-hmm. it's gonna make lives uh, much easier for a lot of people, I believe. Yes. Um, so, what are some of the really interesting things that you've seen? Are there particular trends that you've seen in terms of aging in place and and the voice technology? Are there really neat concepts or products or or ideas that are coming down the pipeline? Well, one thing that's happened in the senior living industry is uh, people are experimenting with it as um, a means of accessing concierge services. You know, like I'd like a handyman to come and fix my window shade at 2 o'clock, that type of thing. Okay. Or or I want to sign up for the uh, trip that's going to the museum. People are either walking up to a voice-enabled device in the lobby or they're using one in their room. Um, So concierge services and senior living, that seems a little... um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's super useful, but actually it's really pretty great. You don't have to pick up a telephone, you don't have to call anybody. And so um, what I'm seeing is more and more um, uh, independent and assisted living communities are rolling it out. And I think I wrote a blog post about that, um, Voice First and Senior Living, a couple, about a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. Um, I think for the... um, People with disabilities, I think it's extremely compelling that you can actually manage uh, the uh, lights and the temperature and the music and everything else uh, without moving. If you cannot move, uh, that is, that's incredibly compelling. Um, people who are now um, accessing uh, health information, uh, at the moment it's not, most, most, it's not HIPAA compliant. Right. Um, but um, people are asking questions, you know, how do I cure a sunburn? Um, uh, I just had a, a procedure. Uh, when can I have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> That's an important one. <laughs> That's an important one. <laughs> um, where is the nearest urgent care? That's a popular one. Where is the nearest urgent care facility? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a variety of other things. I think the most interesting one I've seen, and I did write about this from the Voice of Healthcare Summit, I thought was KidsMD. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was a leap forward in terms of exploiting a technology um, two years ago, really, when it wasn't that trendy. Um, they started this project, um, Kids MD, and parents can ask questions about the care of their children um, or the issues that their children might have, but they're now using it all over the place, in the operating room, 
to have a hands-free environment for the doctor to ask a question of the, you know, through the device of some additional information they might want to know. Who is the nurse on call? I thought all that was amazing. Yeah. And um, and 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 robust. Yeah. There's and the so fact many that applications. Yeah, so that that would I would say the most impressive thing I've heard so far, which as I, I say is really so far. Right. <laughs> There's a lot happening. Absolutely. What about from the perspective of the like the caregiver of an aging parent, like the the sort of the adult mm-hmm. child? Um, mm-hmm. What sort of uh, feedback or what sort of trends are you seeing there in terms of their adoption or or their their satisfaction with this type of technology? Well, if you're um, a caregiver of an aging parent, uh, you can set up the drop-in capability through an Echo device where you can uh, drop in and have a call, assuming the person has provided permission, and it's been set up for that. Um, So that's, I guess, sort of interesting. Not that much. Um, You can, um, however, I think probably one of the more impressive things you can do is configure uh, reminders and a schedule of some type. Um, so that, for example, you could say, uh, have a schedule that set, woke the thing up and say, it's 4 o'clock, have you taken your um, medication today? Or, it's 5 o'clock, did you remember to eat? Right. Um, th- th- these, are, these seem trivial, um, but for people, especially wheelchair-bound people, um, you know, they're not trivial. They're uh, useful uh, reminders. Um, so I would say that one. And the other thing is uh, you, you saw a discussion of LifePod, which is going to be a bi-directional communication technology that will um, reach out um, with configured uh, processes that are associated with Mrs. Smith or Mr. Jones or whomever um, that will be more robust than just a reminder schedule. Right. Um, in which you can say an answer and it will understand what you said and then maybe ask another question um, based on what's been set up for it. I, I think that is a harbinger of where we need to go. These these are conversational devices. At some point, you want to switch to a, talking to a person, but the idea of a dialogue, especially for women, uh, 46% of whom after the age of 75 are living alone, mm-hmm. um, I think I think it's very very uh, useful and and it can be and it can be set up to say um, you know it's near dinner time would you like to listen to some uh, jazz or or classical music right now? It's great. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I love those applications. Where it's almost going to be an uh, almost like a companion in the home for people that are living on their own. And uh, yes. Uh, exactly right. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. At, at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, yeah, LifePod has some very, very interesting uh, things going on. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses over the next little while. Um, are there any particular obstacles or barriers that you're seeing right now to to increase the adoption that we're already seeing? Well, one of the concerns that is raised often is the privacy concern. Um, people are afraid that an always listening device will be intimidating for older people. Um and uh, so, uh, you know, that I, I tend to disp- try to dispel that concern by saying, basically, you already have privacy issues with all of the devices you're already using. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, so your data, <laughs> your data has left the farm. <laughs> I totally agree with you. <laughs> it's already gone. And uh, so an always listening device can be responding to something that you say that with some useful information. 
we don't yet have a stop listening command for the uh, Amazon environment. I think we might have one for the Google Home environment. Um, but you ought to be able to say stop listening, and then you could, ought to be able to say start listening. Right now you tap the microphone and it turns it off. So right. people are um, – it's a new experience to be uh, in a home with always listening devices. And I think that's um, – but right now, for example, Google Assistant is on my phone. And if, if I tap it, it is always listening. And, um, and in fact, it doesn't actually stop listening if I'm still talking. So <laughs> it, it will continue to offer me suggestions based on what I just said. Um, so uh, I think that's um, the listening world of technology is a new experience. And it's not just new for older people. It's new for everybody and how to, how to have it work right for everybody and uh, provide them with, with what they need. I think that is yet to be worked out. We're in an early phase. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I, but I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent that, um, you know, whenever a new technology comes along, people are apprehensive about it. Um, but ultimately, you know, our, our, our information's out there already. I always, uh, think about the example where the, the first time you ever put your credit card in online and the, the apprehension mm-hmm. that generally was centered around that. And now we just do it all the time. Um, yeah. For better or worse. For true, for better or worse, for better or worse. But no, yeah, I I agree with you a hundred hundred percent. Well, that's great. Thanks for thanks for sharing some of your information with us. Are there any other uh, particular uh, key points or anything that you wanted to uh, to let the listeners of this podcast know in terms of the aging in place and and any other things that you're seeing that are important for for everybody to to be aware of? No, I think. Um, we are going to be living in our homes a lot longer than anybody expected. Our life expectancies are going to be a lot longer than anyone anticipated. And um, to the degree that technology can be an enabler and an assist to help us uh, be more comfortable in our homes, not necessarily live longer in our homes, but be more comfortable in our homes and uh, perhaps feel less isolated, at, especially at certain times of the day, I think this is, um, this is a win. Yeah, and I, yeah, well said. Uh, 100% agree with you as well. Um, wonderful. Well, like I said, Lori, I really appreciate you taking some, some time out of your day to, to come on the podcast here. Um, you had a great talk at the Voice Healthcare Summit, and it's nice to, uh, to chat with you a little bit more about your ideas. Uh, where can the listeners uh, find out more about you or follow along with what they're doing or otherwise connect with you? Well, uh, first they can take a look at my website, um, which is uh, ageinplacetech.com. Tech is spelled T-E-C-H. They can search for aging and technology, and they will ultimately end up on the website in the first five or so of hits. Perfect. Um, it's Aging in Place Technology Watch is the name of the site, and they can uh, email me at that site, Lori at ageinplacetech.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, thanks so much, Lori. It's a pleasure to chat with you, and uh, thank you for sharing some of your knowledge and, uh, and the information that you've been collecting over years of experience now. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to share that with, with the audience as well. So thanks very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, a big thank you to Lori again for her uh, expert analysis uh, and her ideas and thoughts about what is uh, happening in the area of voice-first technology and particularly uh, with those that are aging in place. For all the show notes and all of the links that we discussed today, uh, including, of course, how you can get in touch with Lori, 
Uh, I have put those all on the show notes page, which you can find at voicefirsthealth.com slash five. If you haven't yet had a chance to subscribe to the podcast, and I encourage you to do so, we've got a couple of other great speakers lined up already uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. And um, I'm very, very excited about, uh, about these interviews that are coming up as well. Also, uh, if you are so inclined, a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast is greatly appreciated. It does, of course, help the podcast to be found by other people that are like-minded and have an interest in voice-first technology and healthcare. So until next week, um, I'm signing off and I look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Take care, everybody.